believe you're the savior of our soul. We believe you are God and in control. Welcome to the Worship Generation Radio Ministry with Pastor Joey Bram, a ministry of Worship Generation Church located in Fountain Valley, California. For more information, please visit us at www.worshipgeneration.com. We believe in the power of the gospel. We believe you can transform every soul. We believe you're the Savior. Now let's join Pastor Joey as we study through the Bible. Let the nations be glad, all his saints rejoice. Tonight, as we pick it up on the back end of chapter 12, they're really just kind of sealing the fruit and really set in order. This is the way it is. This is the future of Israel. You're governed by a king. This is your king, and this is the way it is. But yet, one more time, Samuel, the prophet, is, it would appear he's scolding the people yet again for their insisting that they have an earthly king when God is their king. And with that background, he had said in the latter part around chapter 15, 16, that God was going to give them a sign. We saw all those signs for Saul last week that he would be the king. And now the people are gathered together and he's going to give them a sign. And the sign is God's going to send this thunder and rain during the wheat harvest as a sign to them that they've done rebelliously and wickedly in asking for a king, an earthly king, instead of God being their king in their covenant with them. And again, the timeline is about 1000 B.C., in the Old Testament under the Mosaic Covenant. And so in verse 18, we pick it up tonight where it says this. So Samuel called to the Lord, and the Lord sent thunder and rain that day, and all the people greatly feared the Lord and Samuel. And all the people said to Samuel, Pray for your servants to the Lord your God, that we may not die, for we have added to all of our sins the evil of asking a king for ourselves. Then Samuel said to the people, Do not fear You have done all this wickedness, yet do not turn aside from following the Lord, but serve the Lord with all your heart, and do not turn aside, for then you would go after empty things which cannot profit or deliver, for they are nothing. For the Lord will not forsake his people for his great namesake, because it pleased the Lord to make you his people. Moreover, as for me, far be it from me that I should sin against the Lord in ceasing to pray for you. But I will teach you the good and the right way. Only fear the Lord and serve him in truth with all your heart. For consider what great things he's done for you. But if you still do wickedly, you shall be swept away, both you and your king. And after this, it just goes on into life after King Saul. This is that final sort of inventory. You ask for a king. This is your king. This is what you get. But in this text, the focus isn't so much on Saul being the king. The focus is on the people and where they're at and asking for this king. And now they have this king. And it's not God's best, but he is their king. And really, if you were to summarize what God says to them in this passage after this great and mighty sign where the people are fearing the Lord properly, the invitation comes from Samuel for yet another chance. It really is another chance for the people of Israel. Now, we remember that during the time of Judges, everyone did what was right in their own eyes, and that the word of the Lord was rare in those days. 
And God gave them some good judges who did good things. But essentially for 300 plus years, it was pretty lawless in the land of God. There were faithful people like Ruth, which we saw the story of Ruth and Boaz, but really very challenging times. And now all that changes. The time of the judges gives way to the time of kings. And this first king is King Saul from the tribe of Benjamin. He will be rejected by the Lord for his sin and rebellion, be replaced by David from the line of the tribe of Judah, which was the promised prophecy back in the book of Genesis, through which all the prophecies concerning Jesus Christ are related. But this just random experience with King Saul as their king for a while. Remember, he's taller than anyone else in Israel. He's better looking than anyone else because the Holy Spirit tells us that. He's an extremely good-looking man. He's handsome. He's tall. He looks like a king in people's eyes. Like, he should be the guy that's calling the shots for us. And now the people, they've got him. He's their king. And so in this background, the, the Lord is speaking through Samuel, and he's given them another chance. The Bible tells us, of course, that his mercies are new every morning. The Bible is always, the Holy Spirit's always looking to bring people to repentance and restoration and renewal and revival with the Lord. Because we do tend to be like sheep that go astray. If we're not nurturing our faith and building ourselves up in our faith, if we have faith in Jesus, we are going to drift from our faith. That's why the Bible warns in the book of Hebrews about drifting and fading away. We're told to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness before anything else each day. And then all the things that could cause us stress and fretting will be added to us. We just need the kingdom perspective and we need to see Jesus on the throne, high and lifted up as the author and finisher of our faith. And when we have that perspective, we're, we're good. But his mercies are new every morning and they have to be because in essence, if we don't do anything, we'll drift away. And even if we do the right things, we're prone to still stumble into the wrong things. That's just reality for all of us. So as we look at this text, we are reminded yet again that God wants to, in his church and here at Worship Generation, for us tonight and for the body of Christ as a whole, what he's always doing in our individual lives, in our homes, our families, in our local church, in our community, in a nation, and with the body of Christ on planet Earth, He's constantly, through faith in Jesus, the work of the ministry of the Holy Spirit, by the redemption that Christ provides us, constantly bringing people back to himself. He's constantly renewing, reviving, restoring, and building up that which is broken, making straight that which is crooked, that sort of a thing. That's what the Lord's always doing in our lives and in the world around us for the church. So with that in mind, here in the very beginning of like another chance, because God's given them another chance, the people say in verse 19, for we have added to all our sins the evil of asking a king for ourselves. Sin discourages us. And some people just deny sin. But sometimes we're so frustrated with sin, we feel like we're never going to have victory over sin, that we just get disheartened. And we just people just don't even try walking with the Lord. They just walk away from the Lord. Like, I'm never going to have victory. This is too discouraging. This is too disheartening. It's a narrow gate. It's too hard. It's easier just to smoke weed, be an alcoholic, act like an idiot, and just let my marriage go to the wayside. And people do that all the time. It's easier to just do nothing for a lot of people, take no risk, and just be dependent upon other sources, whether it's government or handouts from family or strangers, than to just go forward. 
And so we just have to realize that like, sin is, we know that this is true because sin separates from the Lord. So sin is discouraging. It has a consequence. David himself said in the Psalms that when he was in sin without repentance, that his bones rotted within him and it, they ached within him. And we know that sin has a physical effect on the human body. So often people have physical sicknesses as a result of suppressed sin in their life, unconfessed sin and unrepented sin. We know that. So here the people are like, it's almost like, like when a drug addict does drugs again and train, like, you know, uh, train wrecks things. We did a drug and alcohol ministry for years in Vista, and you'd see people be clean for like five months, six months, seven months, no crystal meth, no coke, nothing like that. And then there they go. Just a little bit of prosperity, a little bit of money, and off they go on a binger weekend, and then they come back after tweaking for two nights or whatever, and they want to be restored to their wife. They want to still have their job on Monday. And, 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 and they can be so despondent. And it's a cycle. It would be so frustrating. It would be such a frustrating cycle. Because you want to encourage the wife to take him back. And now he's been clean for seven months. And, oh, what a huge step back it is after you've been clean to seven months to fall back this way. And, and, and what happens, you'd find, is people would just be so despondent. They'd be like, well, why even try? Why even try? My mom was an alcoholic. I'm an alcoholic. Like, it's just the way it is. And, and you get this defeated attitude. And again, these, I'm talking in the context really people call themselves Christians. And you get a sense of being defeated. When I came back from Vermont, I did an outreach with a band with these young kids. They're really neat kids. Their names are uh, Tim and John Foreman. Their band at that time was called Chin Up. Chin Up was their first name of their band because they wanted to encourage people through their music. Of course, a year later, Chad Butler's kid joined their band and they became known as Switchfoot. But I remember at that outreach at North Coast Calvary, I asked the foreign boys, because I knew them from when they lived in Virginia Beach, they went to the church that I pastored. And I asked them, like, chin up, like, what's the deal? They're like, well, we want, we want, people, to, we want people to be encouraged, we want people to go forward, we want their, these, they were teenagers at the time, both really good surfers too. Chin up. See, that's what, Samuel was saying in this text here, chin up, yeah, yeah. We're like, oh, no, like, like oh, I did it again. Oh, I, did, I can't believe I did it again. Like, oh, it's so frustrating. I'm trying to do the right thing. And I just, oh, now my wife's mad at me or my husband's mad at me. The boss has fired me. And You ever felt like that? Just like, or failure of marriage number three? It's like, There's so many things that will make us feel like a failure even when we're serving the Lord in Jesus' name because we have this treasure in earthen vessels and the spirit and the flesh, they war against each other. You can can be so good with a certain situation in somebody in your life that's an agitation and there it is on the fifth month. They just push that button and bingo, here we go. And you're like, you feel so frustrated. Like, I've... Instead of responding, I'm reacting. And this person just has the ability to push my buttons in such a way that I lose self-control of just responding, and now I'm just reacting. And you feel so frustrated. That's how they feel here. They're like, we've added to our sin the evil, asking for king. They finally, the people finally realized how evil it was what they did in asking for this king. And evidently, it was very evil, as I said earlier, with the Lord. 
And then Samuel gives that encouraging word where he says, do not fear. You have done all this wickedness yet. You see, there's hope in that conversation. You have done all this wickedness. But that's not the end of the, the phrase. You have done. And when the word done is used, right, it's not like you're doing. Present tense. Done is past tense. You've done. Past tense. The Lord right there through Samuel the prophet with his people of covenant is saying, they're saying, we are so wicked. I can't believe we did this. To add to all the other things we've done, we can add this wickedness. And Samuel says, yes, but you have done this. But that's not the end of it. Done is now past tense. And one thing we all can agree on right now on March 19th, 2022, is none of us can change anything that happened before 6 p.m. of this night in our life. For better, for worse. Our, in the context is our worst actions, our sin, our failures, our despondency over things. We can't change anything. Now, there might be a phone call that can make things better, but really the actions that we would feel bad about or remorseful over, we, we can't change those things. Right? We can't. Like, I mean, you, you know, parents would say like, oh, that's spilt milk or water under the bridge. Like, it's, it's, it's in the past. I really appreciate that the Lord puts the past in the past. And through the blood of Christ and the promises of his word and ever living and interceding for us at the right hand of the Father, we have hope here and now because we can come boldly to the throne of grace in time of need to Jesus Christ, our great high priest. Now, what did the high priest do? He went in once a year for the nation of Israel to offer blood in the holiest of holies for atonement to make things right with God, first for his own sins and then for the sins of the people. But Jesus is our great high priest who ever lives and intercedes for us and is always available to us and is always interceding for us who has died once for all to cleanse us from our sins. So through faith in Jesus Christ and being born again of the Spirit through faith in Jesus Christ and with Jesus being the author and finisher of our faith, in our failures, there is confession because even in the Lord's Prayer, the Lord says, you know, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And the context of the Lord's Prayer is this day. So always like being open to correction and reproof and instruction from the Holy Spirit in our life. But he's there to forgive us and cleanse us. Christ is not offered up continually like burnt sacrifices, trespass offerings, and these things. He died once for all. And the sufficiency of his sacrifice on the cross is that which makes done, done. It's a finished work, and it puts our sins in the past. The devil would love to take what the Lord calls past tense and beat us up for it to hinder us from future tense of going forward and doing better things from our mistakes. There are consequences of our past sins that profoundly affect our lives. In some cases, relationships are never the same. In some cases, maybe jail time was served or a life was lost. There are consequences of things that are done that you can't change. And I've shared this before, but there at Big Calvary years ago, Calvary Costa Mesa, a man came up to me who had just been released from prison. He served seven years for a DUI where he killed a 17-year-old girl. He was drunk and he was driving the wrong way and he killed a 17-year-old girl. And he was trying to go forward with the Lord. 
He can't bring her back. He served seven years. And he was in his early 30s, and he's got to try and go forward in life, right? Like, that's going to be with him the rest of his life. But that doesn't mean God doesn't have a plan for him. It doesn't mean God doesn't forgive or cleanse or pour out his spirit for something new and better in his life. Listen, Moses took a life, Paul took life, and David took life. So we understand that what's done is done and needs to stay done. And the devil wants to bring, and so often it's family members that want to bring the past back, right? That aren't saved. Isn't it so true? They want to remind you of all your failures. And uh, see, your family has stuff on you that no one else has. Everything. I love being with my sister. I had a great time with her. But Barbie can push my buttons. She just can. And it's like, oh, here we go, day two. And, and she can. And in all fairness to her, I can push her buttons too. But we want to build people up, not do things that push their buttons, right? The past needs to be the past. This is the idea and the thought that the Holy Spirit has through Paul when he's in prison writing the Philippians. And he says, forgetting what lies behind, I press on to what lies ahead to the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And it's super important and of supreme macro priority in our life as followers of Christ that we can let what's done be done and, and receive forgiveness, own it, learn from it, but not let it discourage us to hang our head in despondency to be a quitter and to just give up. Yesterday's sin is no excuse for not going forward in the power of the Spirit today. Because that cheapens the cross and the power of the blood and the empty tomb. Yesterday's sins and failures are meant to be that which was done, but not that which is now. And if the Son came to set us free, and we're free indeed then even if we feel like we haven't found that, we should be looking for that and going after that. Because if we haven't found that in areas of our life, it's not because it's not available to us. It's just because we're, there's something that needs to be worked out. But it's not because the promise isn't obtainable or applicable to the life of every single believer. It's because something, some self-determination, some choice, some self-will is not broken enough before the Lord to let the Lord do that. But some people, because they don't let God have dominion over this part of their life or these failures or these nightmares of the past or these failures of the past, they just quit. And haven't a lot of people quit in the last couple of years? A lot of people have quit. A lot of people kind of quit on life, actually. I mean, suicide is way up, way, way up in all age ranges. Suicide is way up. Because people are just like, I can't do this. I can't do this anymore. People are just like, this is insane, right? We know things are insane, but that doesn't mean we quit. Like, we, here we go. Let's run the next play. Like, what's next? Like, that's what faith is. But we need to let the past be the past. We need to own, we need to own our failures. We need to let what's done be done. And we need to grow and learn from those things. And we need our chin up because Jesus Christ died for those sins. And we need our chin up and we need to go forward.
So I just want to remind you tonight, first point on another chance, make sure the past stays in the past. Let's what, let what's done that's a failure, an embarrassment, keep it there. And don't let the devil bring it back. Don't let people bring it back. And don't you bring it back. And don't use it as an excuse for lack of growth and going forward with Jesus Christ today. That is completely unacceptable with the promises of God in Jesus' name. Now, the second thing is, so we got to own it. So we have to own it and put it in the past and keep it in the past. What's done is done. Yeah, we've added this, but, you know, Samuel says what's done is done. Past tense. Own it. It's no one's fault but your own. And we got to go forward. Now, then he says, you, you have done all this wickedness, there in verse 20, yet, see there's a comma, isn't it nice, it's not a period right there? Aren't you glad when we're being held accountable for our sins, that it doesn't just go like, oh, you've done all this wickedness, period. End of story, end of subject, end of sentence, end of paragraph. Aren't you glad that's not, but it's like, oh, there's a comma. Yeah, you've done all this wickedness, comma. Yet, and there's a few yets in the Bible, quite a few of them actually, but this is a really good one. So maybe circle it. I've got it highlighted and circled. Because when, when, when the prophet is telling you, the greatest prophet of the last 400 years says, yet you have done all this wickedness. You're like, oh man. Yet, there's, there's the lifeline. There's, there's, the, there's the, you know, the, the pool life preserver. Yet. Yet, that's not the end. Christ didn't die on the cross. He had the sentence end. You've done all this wickedness, period. Now go home, it's over. Hang your head and forget anything applies to you. You've done all this wickedness and the resurrection tomb puts a comma there. The resurrection from the tomb puts a comma there and says, yet do not turn aside from following the Lord. What this is saying right here is don't let your failures of the past keep you from the glory and the calling of the present. That's what this is saying. That's what Samuel the prophet's saying. Yet, you just had thunder and lightning that scared you to death. You just had like Mount Sinai come to you in your wheat harvest to affirm to you you were wrong and evil and wicked and asking for a king. But we're not going to go despondent. We're not going to do a blame game. We're going to own it and realize we had done this, but now yet we are offered the opportunity to go forward. And again, that's what we're talking about earlier, that his mercies are new every morning. That no matter how dark yesterday was, spiritually or morally for any of us, today marks a new day and a new opportunity. His mercies are new. No, no matter what evil we've done, no matter what colossal failures we've had that might grieve us and break us and bring us to tears when we even think about it, yet do not turn aside from following the Lord. Chin up. And go forward. Do not turn aside. Don't make yesterday's failure an excuse to not do the right thing today, which is to walk the straight and narrow, to serve the Lord with all of our heart, to obey the Lord, and to do what's right. So do not turn aside from following the Lord. Just keep going forward. All right? Put that behind you. Do the right thing. You know, in sports, just hands down, women, men, the best athletes are the ones who put their failures behind them immediately. You give up the big goal in women's soccer, you gave it up. It's, it's the first half. It's one to nothing. Like, just, what, are you going to walk out the field now? No. What, make Tom, what makes Tom Brady such a great quarterback? 
The guy can throw an interception or a pick six, an interception for a touchdown. He just walks to the sideline. He looks at what happened, goes back out there, and just drops 28 points in the fourth quarter on the Rams and almost does it again. The great closers in baseball, they give up a home run this night, a walk-off base hit that night. What happens the next week? They're back out there again. They, have, they say a, a reliever in baseball, that last pitcher in baseball that tries to save the game, they've got to have a bad memory. They've got to forget the game they blew the night before, and they've got to be in that moment. And as a, a former professional athlete, I always notice stuff like that. And by the way, in surfing, I'm going to tell you who the best surfers are. The ones who fall and are unfazed. Once who uh, Kelly Slater falls, it's, it's never in his head. He's, just, he's right on to the next thing, what he's got to do. By the way, Gabriel Mendina, the three-time world champion for Brazil, same thing. It, when he falls, which is really rare, it never rouses him. But I've seen other elite athletes in surfing in the top ten, when they fall at the wrong time, they fall apart. We've seen how that can happen, right? In figure skating... You've been listening to the Worship Generation Radio Ministry with Pastor Joey Brandt. If you would like more information about the ministry of Worship Generation, visit us online at www.worshipgeneration.com, where you can listen to the podcast of today's entire message. Worship Generation is located at 10350 Ellis Avenue in Fountain Valley, California. Our service times are Saturday evenings at 6 p.m. and Tuesdays at 7 p.m. And also follow Pastor Joey on Instagram under the tag name at Joey Brand. Thanks for listening and God bless. Not ashamed of the gospel. Not ashamed, not ashamed of the one I love. Not ashamed, not ashamed.